Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello listeners and welcome to episode 33 of the From the Finney podcast. I'm joined by George, Solly and Sam for this episode and we'll be discussing the Derby game, Chris Kirchner and we'll look ahead to Blackpool as well, so enjoy. Boys, how are we all? George, are you uh, surviving after yesterday? Yeah, just about. Another Good. big game to look to, so forget about it and hopefully do better in a few days' time. Yeah, fingers crossed. Sam, I know you uh, you drove there and back yesterday and... I don't think you'll be doing that again in a hurry, will you? No, it was the first and the last time, 100%. <laughs> Sally, how's the head? Yeah, sound. Woke up with a spring in my step this morning, the sun's out. Um, all systems go to Tuesday. Any you uh... light bulbs to fix? What's that? You light bulbs to fix? Well, there was a light bulb issue. I wouldn't claim that I was the one to fix it. I uh, sort of <laughs> was the one to watch it being, being done with a bacon butty. No, I've really got into of like brown sauce. Never been a massive brown sauce man. <laughs> I'd say brown sauce and coleslaw are the two things I've really got into of late. It's funny Not you should mention coleslaw. Not I together, at, actually, no. I was out for tea on <laughs> Friday night and we were discussing how underrated coleslaw is. Yeah, it's a little bit like quiche in that regard. <laughs> um, I had coleslaw for the first time about three months ago because... A program when I was a kid, I read Brett Olmrod hated coleslaw. Like he literally couldn't eat off a plate if coleslaw had been on it. So it sort of stuck with me forever. But then I tried it and it was I like it now. I actually made a mistake on Mother's Day. On Mother's Day, I did a bit of a barbecue for Mum and invited the family round. Uh, and obviously, all good barbecues involve a little bit of coleslaw. So uh, I bought coleslaw, but it was a vegan coleslaw. Now everyone was a little bit sceptical, but uh, it was actually very, very good. Really enjoyed it. Certainly didn't think we'd be discussing Brett Ormrod's eating habits to start this episode. Uh, did you have any leftover food this morning, Sally? Anything that you can dive Not this morning, no. Um, no. Me and my brother left town last night and uh, just hopped in a taxi straight away. We weren't, we weren't messing about getting food. And plus, I hope nobody at Treble listens to this, but they've sort of slacked in recent times. Every time I've gone there, it's been like an hour late for a taxi. And that's not the triple A that I used to know and love. I don't think we'll be announcing a triple A sponsorship of the podcast next season, will we? Oh, Rangers have scored! <laughs> <laughs> it's gone off as well, two minutes in. Oh, my word. Oh. It's gone tits. Aaron Ramsey. Fucking <laughs> okay, hell. Should I have gone there, Ramsey? Yeah. 
So. Yeah, anyway, before we crack on, uh, as I say at the start of every episode, you can support From the Finney. Uh, just head over to supporter.acast.com forward slash From the Finney. Uh, if you're listening on, Apple, on an Apple device and would like to show you for support in a non-financial way, then uh, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also leave us a star rating on the Spotify app on your phone if you're listening on Spotify. And we're, we're not going to be back every week between now and the end of the season. Slight change to the schedule. Uh, so the next episode will be after the Fulham game. So we'll round up everything. Sorry, no, that's a lie. The next episode will be out midweek after the Blackpool game. Uh, we've got Chris Brown on with us to discuss Tuesday night. And then after that, we'll be back after the Fulham game. So we'll round up everything between Blackpool and Fulham. And then we'll be back again at the end of the season after Borough. Uh, I am working on a few end-of-season specials, and I've got a few Meets episodes planned as well, so it won't be a complete radio silence, but just don't see the point in recording an episode every every week after every game between now and the end of the season when there's not really much left to play for. My personal take on that is that Jake's got a baby on the way and doesn't want the hassle of doing a podcast every week. No, that's I'm still living at my mum and dad's, so... I, I could if I wanted. I just I just don't have the desire to at the minute, to be quite honest. Um, but yeah, no no break in today's episode as well, so we'll just plough right through. And George, I'll come to you first about yesterday, seeing as you were there in a non-alcohol consuming capacity. Although Sam, I don't think you were drinking either way because you were driving. But yeah, I was just really disappointed that when they went down to ten men, we we barely laid a glove on them. Didn't offer anything. I thought, wow, what a good chance to go and. You know, win a game ahead of Tuesday. You've come through the difficult part, got to half time. One of their players has made a really stupid decision, and then it just seemed to spur them on more. And we just looked clueless, really. Um, they looked like they wanted it, like obviously they do. They're desperate for points, but we just—I don't recall us playing any football, putting a move together. You know, we had Whiteman, Brown and Johnson on the pitch in midfield, which you, you were hoping they could get to grips with the game. And I was just expecting a goal. It wasn't a surprise to me at all when Morrison, who was good when he came on, lasered it in. Um, I've not seen scenes like that uh, for for a while. Um, unbelievable noise. What, what did you make, going back to the start of the game, what did you make of the shape change when obviously the, the team was announced and he'd... Changed yeah. it up and gone to a back four. Started with a four-three-three. Uh, obviously, Reese, Archer, and uh, Evans up top. Yeah, see what the other boys think. But I thought it was not necessarily personnel, but quite refreshing to see something different. I know Derby play that, and it's clear the wing backs haven't been right. Um, you know, we might have picked up a few results and and played well at times, but while that's the way he wants to play going forward, it does seem a, a bit sort of pointless if there's a better way we could be playing for now just to try and pick up a few wins until the end of the season so Rafferty and Lindsay was a bit of a surprise for me I have to say um, and then I wasn't sure about the front three although I was optimistic it could work because I think Arch can beat a man and Reese can get in behind and Evans can link it together but didn't really ever click and then the red card just as we sort of settled into the game Reese was hooked off so whether we'll see that again I'm not too sure yeah, I agree. Uh, much much preferred to see a back four, especially at the moment. We know it's not the way the Ryan Lowe wants his teams to play, but um, I much prefer a steady back four. In terms of the personnel, 
Do you think there was maybe an eye to Tuesday? No SEP? Because of the international break, yeah. I imagine. Um, yeah, Rafferty and Lindsay raised eyebrows. Um, yeah, uh, it was it was an ironic afternoon, really, because it's been well documented. We don't start games particularly quickly under low. Um, we scored twice in in all the first half he's been here. Just twice. That's an alarming stat. It was an alarming stat about a month ago. It's even more alarming now. We haven't scored. Um, but um, ironically, we started the game relatively quickly and we looked the most likely early. And then after that sort of 10-minute interlude of looking all right, you know, I'm not sure we were on the pitch for the remaining 80 minutes. I don't remember us getting the ball down, trying to play, having many opportunities at all. It was a surreal, summery afternoon, really. Um, and that's the last thing you want to be watching before such a massive game on Tuesday. I agree with Adam, really, about it being a bit, you know, there's no doubt, there's no, there's no secret that our record in the first half of the low is pretty shocking. Two first half goals in 18. I mean, it's it's more than a coincidence, that, isn't it? It's like I say, it's quite an alarming stat, but I did wonder, like Adam said, whether he's changed it up because it's quite predictable, you know. Teams are probably watching us and knowing that the way low play, certainly at Plymouth, it relies on a lot of, like, creativity from the wing-backs and teams know that, you know, if they're sitting against us, we haven't really got that creativity to break them down. So, you know, whether he's changed it to try and get, you know, more players in the attacking third, you know, if you can get Evans, Archer and Reese all involved as well as, you know, three midfielders can pick a pass and whether he thought that was a way to go and win the game. But then, like, for the, like we said, for the first 10 minutes, it... We looked fairly dangerous, but then we just fizzled out and obviously the red card changes everything, doesn't it? No complaints about the red from any of you, I'm guessing. Absolutely not. Just an MS. I think it it reminded me of QPR. It was very a lot it was a very wet day at QPR, but the principle was the same, just got in a bad position. Saw Hughes' reaction last night when Lawrence went down, he just turned away, he knew he knew Lindsay were gonna go. Um but the build-up was, was a build-up was frustrating. Headed it back into a stupid area. Yeah. Shot yeah. Was, I think foot. was it Neil Mellor that said that he thought it was a harsh red because it looked like there was someone, presumably Hughes, covering round. But Hughes is on the other side of the box. I'm not sure you can look at that as covering. Mm. Johnson round. bust Johnson bust the gut to get back, but I think it's like he could yeah. see it coming, couldn't he? Yeah, I think Neil might have his North End hat on. I don't see any complaint there. It's a frustrating one sure. for Lindsay, isn't it? Because uh, he's worked so hard to get back in the team. You know, he's been, you know, a lot of fans, myself included, have sort of ruled him out and he's getting these opportunities in certain games. He's looking fairly well, but then he's got, you know, a stupid second jello at Coventry. He gets sent off there. It's like every time he sort of makes half decent showing of a chance, he seems to screw himself over a bit, doesn't he? Yeah. He saw his face yesterday. Like, he could feel how gutted he, he was. Um, but yeah, I think there's a stat with Lindsay that the games he started and the results aren't good. Uh, so I'm not sure where that leaves him two red cards in the space of three games. But them clutch moments where you need your centre-hours, he just seems to come up short. So it'll be a big mental challenge for him now, how he bounces back from that. George, are you sat in your garden? <laughs> no, no, because I've got the bloody... Actually, no, it's a plane, I think. I was going to say, it sounds like <laughs> a plane. <laughs> Yeah, there's no defence for Liam Lindsay. Um, if you're a professional footballer, you should remain on the field of play more often than not, and Liam Lindsay isn't doing so. Full stop. 
needs to be sorted if he wants a future here. Yeah, I think there's, and I get there's there's probably another time to talk about the summer and and whatnot, but. There'll be an argument from some people that he's perhaps one that we need to look to move on, but we've got so many players out of contract, players leaving, i.e. the loan players, that can't see someone like Liam Lindsay, who is under contract, being moved on because it costs money and then you've got to find a replacement. I I can't see there being that much interest anyway. I mean, no disrespect to Liam Lindsay, but, you know, what was the fifth choice at Stoke? They sold him for reportedly 75 grand. If a fellow championship club we should be competing with you're willing to ship players off for that little and when they're that low down the pecking order. Again, no disrespect to them personally, but are they really going to come in and affect our first-team pitch? There's got to be interest to sell a player. Yeah, it's true that. I, I do agree with Jake. I think Lindsay will stay, stay next year and I think he'll probably be like a sort of similar role to now, but it's the reality of the situation that you've got probably 10-plus players out of contract for loans expiring and then probably another five, six or seven that you could do to move on. That's, that's, not, that's not making them numbers up it's like 20 players or so that could leave feasibly and then he's done it before though look, I had a look at his transfer windows as, as managers at other clubs and he, he's not afraid to completely turn a squad inside out I think he did it in his first year at Bury, uh, first year at Plymouth so better get busy I think I mean we'll, I we'll make biggest... no bones about it the, the squad does need it doesn't it like it there is quality in there, but for for too long we've known that there's no depth. Well, there's no real depth. There's no real quality and depth either in in the squad. And you know, I think last three seasons we've been doing the podcast. This time every season we're always saying how it just peters out. Season always peters out, and that to me is just a lack of depth, a lack of quality, and nothing's changed in that time. We've had six win. Well, we will have had six windows when this summer coming up is done and there's, there's been no real change in that time I think Liam Lindsay's a really good example of the sort of player that that might be a reason why we tend to peter out because he's one of them players who's you know when he's on he looks really good but also he can go through stages of just looking like completely incompetent so it, and it's annoying because because you know there's a player in there but too often he's not he's not able to produce on the pitch, and maybe that look there's me, there's many reasons why a season might start to peter out. You know you're not competing for anything or fatigue, etc. But yeah, it's it's really annoying. More so in in, in previous years that we're not able to uh, end the season strongly. This year, you can accept we had a, a really criminal start to the season, really. Um, and were we ever expecting anything to play for at the end of this season? Perhaps not. But, yeah, previous years, it's been, you know, you're, you're dragging your hair out type thing. What What do you make of uh, Alan McCann's continued omission from the side? Do you think it's a case of where does he fit in? Or would you like to just see him given a chance between now and the end of the season, regardless of who drops out? Definitely, I think he's a really good player. I think at times this year, Whiteman, Brown and Johnson have all played really well and you can have no complaint that they keep the place. But last few games, I don't see any reason why McCann couldn't come in. He was brilliant at Bournemouth. He was brilliant at home to Liverpool. 
Uh, there's another home game, Bristol City, I think. So I don't think it's that Lowe doesn't rate him. I think he's just made his mind up on these three as his, as his midfield and McCann's finding it tough. But with Ledson out for the season, I, I wouldn't be against putting McCann in on Tuesday, to be fair. Um, not sure who for, but yeah, certainly deserves to be getting more opportunities than he is at the moment. I personally think myself that Brown's going through a bit of a tough patch. I know when Lowe first came in, he was, you know, it was like rejuvenated. He scored in the first game and he looked really strong, but occasionally, last few weeks, even though he does pop up with big moments, I know he got the assist for uh, Reese's winner at Bournemouth and made a great tackle at the other end in that game. And being the captain, he is that sort of leader in the group. But I think occasionally, you know, there's a few flat passes and, you know, with Brown, you've seen it at Blackpool, there's a few occasional moments of madness we might get sent off or make a rash decision. So I wouldn't be against McCann coming in for. Brown, especially with, like George said, the Blackpool game, you know, McCann's going to give you that little bit of fight, that little bit of tenacity that I think you sometimes need in derby games. So I'd personally be all for him starting on Tuesday. I think it's a difficult one. Uh, so at the moment, yeah, no problem with, with Ryan Lowe experimenting, um, looking at his squad, because obviously he's still new to the job, let's not forget. Like, it's not as if he's been here a couple of years and, and, and um, you know, slating him for not giving players a chance. Uh, I think it's a really good opportunity to do so. Whether I do it on Tuesday, I'm not sure. Um, you know, <sighs> he's not played a great deal recently, has he? Uh, and to come in in the colder of Blackpool, it's difficult. Um, so I, I think he's a really good player as well, and I think he's uh, he's got a role to play here, uh, McCann. Uh, I think he's a proper good footballer. Um, so. Look, still if, very young as well, isn't he? You know, yeah, he's what, 21, 22? If Ali McCann's on the team sheet on Tuesday night, nobody's going to be saying, Jesus Christ, what the hell's he done that for? Seems a good lad as well. His interviews, he's never, he's had the opportunity to not kick up a fuss, but maybe sit, a lot of players and say, oh, I wish I were playing more, I should be playing more, but he's not seen like that at all. He keeps his head down. So I'm sure he's confident in himself that he will get in this team eventually and make himself a sort of championship regular. Yeah, Just going back to the... Sorry, sorry, go on. Just going back to the Derby game, this way to keep a straight face in the post-match press conference yesterday, George. The momentum right, comment. Yeah, what Ryan Lowe said, we lost all momentum when, when we went, went down to 10. Yeah, what, I what thought, sort I of thought comment you, is that? <laughs> I thought I didn't think of you, to be fair. I was uh, still a bit starstruck from Rooney, to be fair, um, being in the presence of him. What Did you ask man? him a question or not? Oh, no. Nothing to ask, really, was there? From a did he use the word journal, momentum or not? He did. Yeah. Did he? Yeah, he said when Bird got sent off, the momentum could have come back to Preston, but yeah, his team uh, wanted it more. I assume no no complaints from any of you boys about Derby's red card. It was a bit reckless from Bird, wasn't it? We were both Stonewall. So... Yeah, horrendous. Brain dead. Just um, going back to McCann, I think all, a lot of the top teams rotate the squad, don't they? Like it's just natural that players come in and out of the team. Um, and I think this group at the moment, they keep bringing these performances out where they just kind of die on the pitch, lose one nil, but you never feel like they're gonna get a point or or, go, or turn the game around which might sound stupid because we have come back at times this year but a lot of our defeats are in a really bad manner um, 
think there is a way to lose games and they need to get these I'm sure low will but they need to get this sort of tendency they've got of slipping into just looking like they're accepting defeat out of them because it's, it's a horrible trait to watch um, when it keeps happening and it has been happening for a while now under different managers as well Yeah I think we, we said it last on the last episode that you know the, the common denominator through all these different seasons is the players Largely, I know there's been elements of change in the squad, as you would expect, uh, but the vast majority haven't changed. Well, maybe not the vast majority, but the majority of, of the lads haven't changed, and, and they're the common denominator. You know, you look at Frankie, Alex, now Ryan, and the same things are still happening. Yeah, there's no way Lowe wants his team to, to play like they did yesterday. I'm not. I'm not having that. Like you see the goals his team scored. Maybe the championship is proving tougher than he thought, but you don't. No way he wants his team to be scoring two goals in six games or seven in eleven or whatever it is, and not even really threatening that much either. Um, I'm sure I, my head says to judge him next year when he hopefully gets the players he wants, and I think hopefully we'll see a very different uh, Preston. It must be really hard for him as a proud scouser, you know, with all that charisma, to have to accept that his team didn't want it as much as the opposition yesterday. That must have been a bitter pill for him to swallow. I'd like to think mm. he's uh, he's put a rocket up him for that because that's that's just embarrassing. That's just on a personal level. It, like you've gone out there and, and you've made your manager who talks the talk look an absolute idiot, essentially. Well, there were similar comments after the Luton game, weren't there? And then you'd expect sort of, you said he's going to put a rocket up them and you're expecting a big reaction. And we didn't really get it yesterday, did we? That's the frustrating thing. Well, yeah. Well, the Luton game was one of them where um, where he had every right to say, well, you're not going away now. You know, uh, it's international break. You're not going on your own. This is Dubai. And he would have been well within his right to do so. Um, whether that has any effect, I don't know because I'm sure I'm sure there were Derby players going to Dubai uh, if they'd been paid. Um, yeah, driving away from game, I was just trying to sort of digest what I'd seen, and I was thinking, wonder if the players had Tuesday in the minds that, and I hope they did. In terms of there's no there's no reason to play that badly, but maybe they didn't want to get injured for Tuesday or something. You've just got to hope that on Tuesday we see a completely different energy and drive in the, in the players at play. Um, maybe I'm a bit naive to think that. Maybe they're all on the beach or something, but they can't play like that on Tuesday. They'll get turned over. Yeah, I think we'll, we was going to do, obviously, Blackpool last, but we'll come on to it now. Do you, if, if we do lose, obviously when we, when we lost at their place earlier on in the season, Frankie was in charge and it was very much the tide had turned against Frankie at that point and the the sort of atmosphere amongst the fans at games toward Frankie was a lot different than what it is now towards Ryan. Do you think if we lose on Tuesday night that the vitriol from the fans will be the same as it was when we lost at their place? I know it's a massive game and means so much to so many, but... Do you think there'd be an, almost an element of, well, we'll cut Ranlow a little bit of slack for all the reasons that we've just discussed because he doesn't have his own squad 
and and all this sort of stuff or do you think it will because it's Blackpool and because it's that the game that we've got left between now and the end of the season do you think it will be sort of on a similar level if we do lose or turn into a bad performance I think it'll be more targeted towards the players to be honest I think like as bad as Frankie was there were a lot of poor performances under his regime and I think the fact that obviously you know it was well known that Frankie was a very well he wasn't a manager before he came to us and I think scapegoated isn't the word because he was a poor manager and obviously shouldn't never have had the football club but I think he took it a lot off of the players but I think now I mean a lot of the uh, the general consensus under Lowe's regime has been oh don't judge it now judge it in the summer and you know about the planes playing staff not being quite good enough for his system so I think that the players will be the ones who get it in the neck if you lose to Blackpool you know if you if you look on like the Twitter forums and the fans forum and the Facebook pages if I ever dare even look at them it tends to be the playing staff that tends to be you know subject to criticism at the minute so I think a lot of individual players you know like the Rafferty if he starts will get called out and plays like that yeah Ryan Lowe will get more slack than McAvoy did um, so whether that's right or wrong it's just the case I imagine um the thing is, is that this is quite unusual for a derby game. Most games, you you're at least playing like for like like for league p- p- position. But this is this is quite a unique one where the fact that it's not really like it doesn't mean anything in terms of the league, and yet it's still incredibly personal. People are still scarred by that day at Bloomfield Road. I always reckon that, that your derby games are always more memorable when you lose. Like like the Hulahan penalty. Um and then that four, one three, in the season. Yeah, four three Burnley. Um, you know. We haven't lost that many derby games in recent times. But they're always more memorable when you lose, I feel. It's no longer going there and doing a job. It's it's personalist. Um mm. So, a lot of it will come down to who wants to win more. Which group of eleven players wants to win this game more? Um, yeah. And that's that's the way to look at it for me. You're not playing for league position now. Yeah, I think it is a big, big onus on the players for it because they've experienced this game already this season. They knew what happened at Bloomfield Road, and I hope it was as horrible for them as it was for us. Um, watching it. Lowe has never experienced it before. I think it will surprise him a bit. Obviously, he'll have played in derbies as a player. Probably bigger ones than this. If he, I don't know, Chef Wednesday United maybe, but it's going to be electric when the players walk out and it's we need to sort of find an edge on Blackpool because it pains me to say it, but they're a decent team and got a decent manager who will probably set them up right, right to get a result. So whatever it is, whether it's the Deepdale atmosphere or our midfield that can be a lot better than it's been recently. Experienced lads like Evans and Cunningham, I'd get them both in the team if they're fit. Um, Got to try and get an upper uh, hand somewhere during the game. Um, but yeah, the players, if, if, I hate saying if they lose this because it's almost like tempting, uh, tempting fate. But the rest of the season, it won't matter what happens if they win the remaining six games. If they lose tomorrow night, it's going to be a real grim end to the year um, and there'll be no coming back for a lot of the players. Two derby defeats in one season to them lot. Not acceptable, is it? Do you nope. think games like this as well, there's an element that 
you can do as much prep as you want you can you can look tactically at this and that and setting up for the opposition and, and all that sort of stuff do you think there's an element of regardless of how much of that you do prior to the game that it goes out the window on the night it's a tricky one isn't it I mean Grayson always used to say it when we go into like the playoff games or he does like when United, when we had like United at home you've got to play with your heads not your hearts I think as much as you want players to have that passion you want them to feel the cause almost as much as the supporters do at the same time if you've got a game plan if you've got certain tactics and roles you can't just go out all gun blazing and throw that out the window there's got to be some sort of balance to that yeah it's it's nonsense to say that like it's a cliche isn't it but people say you know home goes out the window in games like this like it definitely doesn't you know how how could one team who are clearly a better team than the other like completely lose all of that in, in one of these derby games it's just not the case this is unique in the fact that there's not a great deal between the two teams essentially in league position so it's, it's interesting uh, was it Mike Tyson who said that you, you've you got a plan until you get hit in the mouth but ultimately a team with a plan will beat a team without a plan oh I think as ever um, what are your predictions for the game then boys I don't want to do one I think we'll batter him 4-0 He's still pissed from last night We'll absolutely batter him I genuinely do I, th- I think they're in for a grim night then Honestly 4-0 we'll 4-0 the, the V Who will win? I'm going 0-0 I think it'll be a big anti-climax couldn't have been more opposite you two. I'm doing a George. I'm abstaining. I don't think it, is a, it is a big game for Lowe. I know we've put a lot on the players there, but it is a big game for him. A couple of months ago, I was quite confident of this game though, when it came around. I thought he gets right up for it. The last couple of last couple of matches have been signs of the our old self, and he needs to get that out of him for Tuesday. Um, we can't have a slow first half Tuesday. We've got to be out and straight away if it's getting us anything. There's more pressure on us, definitely, for this game. Yes, we're at home. We're at home. We got beat previously. Um, Ryan Lowe said to the supporters, you do your job, then I'll do mine. But your best bloody hand, Ryan. If you're listening to this, you know, you'll realise how much this means when you walk out the tunnel to a colder of noise. Yeah. You quite I... simply can't let us down again. That Blackpool was, uh, Christ, horrendous. And it'll be a long summer waiting to try and get revenge on him with them constantly the thing, tweeting yeah. on Twitter. And, you know, you've got people going into work with with them. They're a strange breed and they don't let anything go. We I live there, mate. Right. It's horrible. Some really weird people. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> I always think going to Blackpool, you can spot a person from Blackpool an absolute mile off. They've got that, they've got that aura of just being a little bit bizarre, haven't they? Lack of teeth, lack of education, lack of anything. <laughs> Don't know if you can put that in, but no, I'm not taking it out. So uh, yeah. fair enough. If if some if people want to come for you, they can. Oh, second uh, one. Yeah, it, I think George. I, I agree with you. I think it might surprise the manager a little bit on Tuesday night. Just, just how big a game this is going to be for the fans. Let's be honest, the Beatville atmosphere isn't amazing, is it? It's nothing like what Derby was yesterday. It can, it can 
come good at times, you know, for five minute spells, but it's not constant. And I hope on Tuesday it is. I, I think it'll be well. cagey on Tuesday. Yeah, it'll be a cagey will. atmosphere when the game's going on. You know, it'll be it'll be uh, raucous when they come out and stuff, when there's a tackle, everyone will be up. It'll be alcohol fueled, I imagine. Can't imagine anyone turning up without having a drink in the right mind. Nobody enjoys these evenings, do they? Nobody enjoys <laughs> watching these matches. You know, I'd I'd happily go through seasons without having to play them. Um, yeah, it'll be it'll be taut and fraught and very tense. I think the cop will be big having that cop open. I know it's been open and it's had a bit of success with the. Uh... You know, the Reading game, the atmosphere is a bit better and obviously the Bournemouth one, but I think that cop will be the key to the atmosphere. And I think one thing as well, we mentioned about how important the fans are in these games. I think, you know, as much as it pains me to say it, I thought the Blackpool fans at their place in the reverse fixture was electric. It was that part of the atmosphere almost half an hour before kick-off. And I think we've got to create something similar to really like spur the players on. That'll be us doing our bit, like the manager said. Yeah, We've got There's a, two new the, flags coming, haven't we, as well? So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There was a lot of young people in that section you were on about at Blackpool and I think we've got a sort of new sort of wave of sort of youngsters coming through supporting the club and who all go in the cop. So, yeah, hopefully they can do their bit. Yeah. Blackpool fans are bringing that flag as well, aren't they? That fucking one Bloody awful, shit. that. It's Have horrendous. you ever seen a worse I'd be embarrassed. What is that? I don't know how much would be paid for that. Too much. Even if it was a quid, it was too much. Do you ever just stand back and just... Try and like try and work this nonsense out. How a person a has come up with that design, two has sent that off to the designers, three has actually driven to a place to pick this thing up, or four <laughs> paid for postage for it to get dropped off at their house. You're taking the piss. He's absolutely <laughs> horrendous. That flight. I'm telling you, mate. They're a strange breed. No common sense there. It is horrendous. I mean. You know, I scratched my head off fan base at times, but that is just ridiculous. And, and they absolutely lapping up as well on Twitter, saying, "Oh my god!" Like at times after they beat us, there were people claim that that was one of the factors why they beat us. <laughs> you know, Assist for the flag, absolute idiots! <laughs> like Christ, they are a different breed. Then I can't wait for Tuesday. We're going to absolutely pagger them, and I've got a, I've got a. Um, I've got a bit of a like target on my back now, but we are. We're going to pagger him. And if we I'm don't, I'll never be able to go on Twitter ever again. But I'm talking I'm to my heart. Well, well, nobody, enjoys, <laughs> nobody enjoys these nights. So I'm not really looking forward to it. I, I really hope the day never comes, but we will definitely beat him. Full stop. <laughs> well, on that note, boys, I think we can oh. move on to the final topic of the pod. Um, Obviously, something that's dominated PNE discussions, forums, Twitter for six weeks now, um, and that is what appears to be the failed takeover bid uh, of the club from Chris Kirchner. What's what's your thoughts on where we're at with it? It's a it's a funny one, isn't it? I mean, there's obviously no guarantee guarantee a takeover you know can lead to success within a window or on the pitch, but I think. The way I feel about North End at the minute, as much as it's my club and I'll fucking love it for the rest of my life, it's like it's a really tedious club to support. You know, we're going into windows knowing you're not really ever going to spend big on any players. You know, the certain policies and recruitment strategies they've got have been proven not to work. So I think going into another window thinking we're going to have, and what is a huge summer as we've just discussed, just to be under the same strategy, under the same 
people, not daunting to look forward to. It's just a bit like, pfft, bored of it a bit, aren't you? Yeah, there's always two outcomes, aren't there? It either got done or it didn't. And I think a lot of people are living torn during the whole sort of to in and throwing the comments on Twitter. I think at times it looked like it was going to happen because there was nothing coming from the club. It was all very quiet. But at the same, on the flip side, how vocal he was was very strange. I know he sort of said that that's the way he likes to operate and, you know, he's younger than other owners and things. But throw that into the mix and the Derby thing as well. And it always, you always did have a bit of doubt in the back of your mind. Um, he's not said anything yet. So I'll be, obviously explained why he didn't buy Derby and he had a reason, uh, the debt and the, the stadium and things. Um, whereas this, it seems like he's had an offer accepted and then gone lower and then gone lower. So I'd be interested to see uh, if we get a reason for why that is. Um, and if he comes back, obviously, if you've had an offer accepted, um, then there's always a chance you could go back to that number. But uh, yes, bit of a frustrating few weeks, I think. Um, you've got to question what the intention was throughout it all, all that effort, watching games, flying over to England, tweeting fans. Um, if there was never any real sort of intention to go through with it, um, what's it all been about? So, yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, what gets said, because we've heard one side of the story uh, so far. It's quite clear that that he was trying to enhance his profile within within England, um, in my opinion. Well, that Twitter, that Twitter Q&A, it's easy to say now, but, you know, there was always an element of dodginess about that, something a bit a bit unauthentic about that, bizarre. Like, like other than... Um, Darren McCantony at Peterborough, you rarely see owners on social media and uh, I know the lad at uh, Accrington Stanley as well, but, you know, it's just big red flags for me. Having said that, I am, I am a little bit I differ from others because um, I'm all right with, with the warm embrace of the Hemmings clan, you know, I'm just happy going to watch North End every week. I'm all right having a club there. Like, and of course, I can appreciate the frustration that we might not be going anywhere or, or we might not be going anywhere quickly. But I just think there's a lot to be grateful for. Now, the flip side to that is, is that it's not, it's not the Hemmings. <laughs> it's not Mr. Trevor Hemmings, is it? Um, you know, it's now the family, and we don't necessarily know the love that they have for the club. Uh, Trevor Hemmings' love um, was unprecedented, really. Uh, uh, and if we're totally honest, we've only realised that since he's died. You know, the, the family want rid of the club, um, but at the right price. And I think, um, I think they deserve uh, a lot of respect for. Um, making sure that they have the right buyer. Uh, I think there's a lot to be said for that. Uh, so uh, I can appreciate why people are disappointed. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you're better with the devil that you know. Fair point. Fair point. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been any sort of... Um, anyone ever sort of calling into question 
the reign of the Hemmings family, but I think with how the last couple of seasons have been, especially the windows, it it's just felt like there's not really been anything to get excited about, if that makes sense. And whilst Solly, I, I agree with you, uh, you know, I'm happy to have a club, you know, having North End on a Saturday gives me something to do, gives me something to look forward to. And I always go into the start of a season with hope that we could achieve something. Um, but I think at times it feels like we're just accepting where we are, which is just being just average at the minute. I think also, I think, you know, at where we are in the season's got a lot to do with this as well. I might be wrong, but, you know, we're not we're not playing for anything. You know, we're, we've just been spanked at Luton. We've lost at Derby. There's not a great deal to look forward to. But also, you know, you go back um, a couple of months and there was real furore and there was real excitement when Lowe got appointed. So maybe, maybe we're just being fickle supporters. Um, we we all want what's best for North End, and no matter what side of this spectrum you're on. Um, maybe uh, maybe it's just you know where we're at. We're on the beach. We're all looking forward to holidays in the summer. You know, it's a bit of a chore going on North End at the minute. So uh, I might be wrong. I think my only worry is going into this window is that I think well, Darjes pointed it out after the summer window. It tends to be going for that one marquee. Million pound plus signing recently. Obviously, you did Reese, you've did Whiteman, you did McCann, you had Bayless a couple of years before. But going into this summer window, you're probably realistically going to need four or five of them caliber of signings to really like bring that squad on because it's going to be a large sort of turnover of players. And I'm not sure whether under the Hemmings family, like you know, all due respect to them, like uh, Solly said, for how they ran the club, is that we're going to be made available to really like have any sort of chance of bringing in the caliber of players we are going to need. It's not a case of you're wanting him, it's going to be a sort of need. And that's yeah. what I think Kirshner might well have brought in or given us the op- a better opportunity to do it. Yeah. You've got to trust, trust Lowe's knowledge of lower leagues, obviously. Shot there tentatively, but the ones he bought for Plymouth seem to do a job for him, albeit it was at a lower level. Seems to have good contacts at Premier League clubs. Again, don't want to go too heavy down the loan route, but we're not going to sign five players for a million plus, are we? So, got to find a way. Luton have shown this year you can do it. That's frustrating as well. Another club that isn't us having a good year, probably going to get in the playoffs. Um, culmination of things, I think, over the last few years that have led to frustration. But just got to uh, sort of trust that Lowe will stick to his word with transfers, that he won't accept signing players like we did this summer who play less than 10 games or in some cases none. Um, and in going into next year, we we have got something to get behind and and proper sort of believing. I think well, we're going to have a completely new goalkeeping department. You would imagine come next season, obviously with Deck retiring, Dan Iverson yeah. presumably going back to Leicester. Um, I'd love to see him back here, but I'd be surprised at the same time if he did come back. Um, what's the situation with Hudson and Ripley? Are they both out of contract in the summer? Yeah. So perhaps one of them maybe gets an, a year extension, so it's one less body to find. I doubt it. I'd be really surprised, but 
never know. I can't imagine any of it. If you was to give out one, it would probably be Hudson just for that homegrown quota on the matchday squad. But even then, I'd be pretty surprised. Yeah. Go and play games, Matt. He's 23 years old. Go and have a, some kind of a career. You must can't be doing him any good just, what, playing 45 minutes in seven years. You know? Do no one any good. No. What do you make about that Izzy Brown Instagram post as well? I reckon there's anything in that. A funny, weren't it? He said, see you on the pitch soon. And then Lowe got asked about it by the BBC on Thursday and sort of said, I'd rather not discuss personal things. Um, certainly didn't hint that Izzy would be staying. So, yeah, intriguing that. Came across um, a bit like a nudge to the club, a little bit of a plea. Like, take a chance on me. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've done that. A few times with a few players, and it's come back to bite us in the arse. And while they might be seen as uh, low risk, there's still a risk, and, and inevitably, recently they've not they've not paid mm-hmm. off. Low Wickham risk. Brown. I always chuckle at that that uh, Conor Wickham signing. Really, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. What do you make of this? Um, partnership that we've we've struck up with market insights do you think that's going to play a bigger part in the summer than and sort of help us with our recruitment more than perhaps we've uh done in the in the past obviously it's been left uh internally a lot to sort of source and scout players and if i understand it right market insights will work with the club to provide targets that they think a right for us and would fit a certain criteria. I don't know, George, if you maybe know a little bit more about that than, than perhaps I do. We're probably missing a person to talk about this, aren't we? But um, I think it can only be a good thing. I think data is big, isn't it, in this day and age? Uh, I think a club like us have, has got to try and find uh, gains where we can. So I think Lowe used it at Plymouth to success, to a degree of success. Um and if we can sort of utilise that to sort of find players that you said it was in Europe as well, to find players that we might not have done then happy days. Hopefully don't lean on it too much. I think one of the guys at Plymouth did an interview with The Guardian said it was sort of not the main thing, but uh, not the be and end all, but used there as a sort of thing to help them. So Another string to their bow. Yeah, something like I can't remember the phrase, but you know what I mean. Um, yeah, boys. I think unless you've got anything else you wanna you wanna add, you wanna say, then uh, we can wrap that up. Oh, pleasure as always. The fan gallery's just gone out. I'm seeing if Adam's on it. Scott's on it. My brother just texted me. He's delighted. Oh, there we go. On that note, boys. Cheers. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Nice pleasure, Is mate. Always a pleasure.